Welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, where we have conversations and give insight into human behavior and promote mental health wellness. I'm Dr. Kyle Osborne, and with my co-host, Dr. Jason Coleman, we'll discuss health topics, everyday life issues, and try to give you a better understanding of yourself, other people, and the world around you. So just sit back, relax, and hopefully you'll leave with some information that'll have you live in your best healthy life. Thanks for listening and enjoy the podcast. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Black Psychologist Podcast, also known as the eighth wonder of the world. We're back like we never left. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for watching us on YouTube. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. Anything less than five stars is uncivilized. I am one half of your humble and gracious host, Dr. Kyle Osborne. He is I and I am him. And of course, all of you know by now, I'm not flying this aircraft by myself. I'm here with the one, the only, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. My friend, my brother, my brethren, Dr. Jason Coleman. What is going on, good brother? going on what's going on bro how, how you feeling man happy holidays i see you looking you looking festive man yeah yes brother it's that time of season and it's, uh, it's right around the corner man right around the corner and so now, listen i'm I'm assuming that everybody you know in your household under the sound of your voice is is getting what they want because you're putting on that hat man you must better be spending that bread yeah it's uh you know what that does it buys me more time Right. And by the time and weeks of, uh, of of peacefulness, that's what it does. Make sure everybody's taken care of. Everybody got their situation. Um, and then I'm able to have mine. You see what I mean? Everybody's cool. They're off to their own devices. All right, cool. I'm going to just sit here and watch these bowl games or whatever. You know what? I never looked at it like that. Like, take, But it always happens for me like that. But I never looked at it like you take care of everybody in December. You at least get buys you a peaceful January through the Super Bowl. Some right, it's buying you, you know, time. If you take care of business on Christmas, it should buy you at least peace in the household until the Super Bowl. No, after man. that, you know, all hell could break loose all over again. But you know, then after that, it's wash, rinse, repeat, bro. That's that's what <laughs> you know. Uh, absolutely, with the holiday time, we appreciate everybody kind of locking in with us. We appreciate all the support, all the um. The reviews and the subscribers are growing, so we really appreciate you guys spreading the word and talking to people and sharing it. Um, so, yeah, continue to lock in with us. Continue to send questions. I know last episode uh, or the episode before that, we had some uh, we interacted with uh, some folks. They were asking the questions. We were able to respond to their uh, their questions. So keep it coming. Keep it coming. We love the interaction. We love uh, the conversation. So we're going to keep it pumping out for you, man. All right, so listen, the weeks between Thanksgiving and New Year's, Jay, that is where we are. We are right around the corner, and these weeks, people say, are the happiest time of the year. However, for many people, the holiday season is the saddest time. It can be a loneliest time. It can be a very stressful time um, for a lot of different reasons. Um, Like we just kind of talked about it. It could be like a financial strain. On people, depending on what your uh, your job situation is or what what your money is looking like, uh, family dysfunction. A lot of times, the holidays can um, can amplify existing problems within a family dynamic. You got uh, it could also introduce new issues. A lot of times, there's the pressure to kind of pick the perfect gift, or someone might be hosting, um, you know, the holiday gathering, and that can be stressful. So. With all of these other different things that come to play, um, it's no surprise that research has shown that mental health problems increase around this time of year, right? There was a survey that um, recently came out that said 64% of people uh, with an existing mental illness say that their symptoms worsen during the holidays, right? 64%. So with that being the case, I felt that it was imperative that we provide some additional information um, and some strategies for some individuals to get through this holiday season. All right. So the first thing that popped off for me, Jay, um, and we talked about it kind of like automatically was the financial aspect. 
Right. I feel like the first thing or one of the most important things in regards to trying to maintain your stress levels or coping with this uh, stressful time is making sure that you don't get yourself in a financial bind. Right. You want to absolutely one, be realistic and be smart with your money, whatever, you know, during the season. Like you want to determine a spending limit. Right. Um, that aligns with your goals, not just. Uh, let me let me just make sure everybody gets and you make it rain during the holiday. But I feel like a lot of people get themselves into a stressful situation where they exceed what they're able to afford. Right. And you end up on January 1st with a credit card bill. Exactly. And even that, you ain't take care of your, uh, your utility bills. You ain't take care of your rent. You ain't take care of your car note and all different things. But you focused on getting an elaborate gift for you know for your partner or for your kids or whatever the case may be but i i think it's important to set appropriate boundaries and have a plan right so part of it is personal responsibility so when i mean have a plan i mean if possible you want to start putting away a little bit of money in september right Right. in anticipation because it is the same year time every year but two you want to set appropriate boundaries with yourself first like what can i afford Mm-hmm. Meaning like sister and your paramour and mama, they may all want jewelry, right? But if you if your focus is on becoming financially secure and buying a home or saving money, you may only be able to afford a certain amount of money. So you got to set your boundary. And then once you set your boundary and you're comfortable with it, then you could prepare other people for that, right? And then the, the holiday won't be as stressful, right? Because the expectation has already been set. Listen, we have a $10 limit for each other. We're going to spend time with each other this year with the $10 gift limit, $15, $50, whatever you can afford. But it's one way to get rid of some of that stress. I like what you said um, as far as, like you said, um, people comparing each other. Because I think that's an issue that comes up that people fall prey to in that don't compare yourself to what other people are getting, Right. Like, you know what your brother is getting your mom or you know what your sister is getting your mom. Don't try to outdo them. Right. right? Or even if like your kids. Right. If if it's a situation where you and your partner are not together and like your partner is getting um, whatever. Oh, he's getting them the PlayStation. That doesn't mean you got to supersede that or try to outdo your partner or whoever and get your kid something, a, a MacBook or something, that's another reason or another issue that pops up because you're trying to keep up with the Joneses and you end up exceeding your budget, like you said, the boundaries aspect. So right. I would absolutely recommend people avoid comparing what you're getting for someone with what another family member or another friend is getting because that's a recipe for a disaster. I mean, bro, because we could talk about mental health and all of that, but... I can only talk about personal experience and I'm be, well, I know that the best and I can be honest. Like it was years that I like hated the holidays for that exact reason. Mm-hmm. I like the meals. I like this, all that, but I'm like, yo, why do I, why, why, like, I, why is it I love Thanksgiving and I, I hate Christmas time? Right. And I'm like, because at the time you're not earning as much. Right. And no other time of the year out of nowhere, you got to come up with, whatever it is, right? $700. And you leave and you have a a credit card bill after? Like, listen, it was times, especially when I was younger, I would literally be putting out money for gifts and then be hoping that certain people, I would get it back. (laughs) You know know what I'm saying? Like, but again, like again, and I hope honestly, I hope that I can break that tradition in my family in terms of I would want younger people to not have that pressure, right? I would put a limit, like, yo, don't give me nothing more than $25 or right? Yeah. Especially if I'm in a position where it's like I'm most people, if they if they provide for themselves, they work, they have a little bit of excess. Every day is Christmas. If we're being honest, I'm not saying that you buy you you buy things excessively every day, but for most grown people, you're not waiting until Christmas to buy the sneakers that you want. Right. You 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 budget and then you buy it. You know what I'm saying? So why would you put one other another person, either be your paramour, your son, your daughter, 
especially if they're not in as good of a financial situation as you, to go dig into their savings to buy you something that you you understand. So again, I, I just think setting those those boundaries and having those conversations because people aren't looking at it like it could be fun. Like you set a $5 limit on your gift, right? With your family members and see what you come up with. You know what I mean? Like it could end up being a good time, right? Rather than, you know, $50, $100 and then people don't come, right? Because they don't, I don't have no nothing to give people. People are resentful. People are broke after. Like, well, who wants to do that? You take the joy out of the out of the, out of the holiday, you know? Or you could do this. Or if you want to get a certain person mad, like say your parents, your mom or your dad, or whatever the case may be, like go in with your sibling. Put right, your, right, right. Right. Let's be resourceful as opposed to it turning into a competition or it, it turns into this additional pressure that you just mentioned. Going together. Oh, let's get mom this such and such, right? Y'all put your money together and both of you, you can get a better or more elaborate gift. And you both you both didn't have to break the bank because y'all split it. Right. So absolutely. Uh the boundaries and being more uh prioritizing your spending. So you like you mentioned, after the new year, you're not paying for it because that happens to a lot of people. Yeah, man. It's happened to me a bunch of times. New year looking at that credit card bill. Like, damn. Especially if them gifts ain't come back the way you thought. <laughs> yeah, they got ugly real fast. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, it's crazy. Um, another one, I think a lot of people um, experience this, is like coping with somebody, like coping with a lost one, uh, someone that you lost. And I think a lot of people, and I think, uh, I want to say COVID highlighted this issue for a lot of different people over the past right. Um, and that the holidays, again, are joyful or typically are joyful. At the same time, it tends to bring the focus about people that we've lost over the course of the year. Right. Uh, you have some people and whether you lost them in February or they passed away a week ago and the holidays are coming close. It's really difficult and it can be a really tough time, a very lonely and sad time for a lot of individuals because you're reflecting, you're missing that person. That individual is not going to be at the family dinner or they're not going to be whatever role that they carry um, in the family because they've passed on. So it's really important that it's like making a game plan for coping, right? Or um, a situation where if you're including traditions where you might either be hanging on to old traditions or creating new ones or whatever the case may be, um, it you know, grief is something very complicated, right? Like we, we've talked about that previously. We work with our patients with it. Um, and it can be very individualized, right? Like you want to, sometimes you want to feel excitement. You want to feel happy. Everybody around you is happy, but you're experiencing grief and sadness uh, because you're thinking about the person that's no longer here. So it's really important that we keep that in mind and also you becoming aware if you have lost somebody close, whether it be a family member or a friend, that this may be really intense for you during the holiday season. Yeah, man. Um, and just, again, you know, um, got to reach out to for support, you know, if you have those supports in place um, and just try to, you know, try to be proactive, right? Because <clears throat> most people, you know, they deal with it on their own. It's funny when you were talking about it, I don't, do you remember, you know, the, um, she was on divorce court, the lady, uh, Judge Lynn Toller. Yeah. She's, she's an African-American woman, very, real, real smart, like, and, um, charismatic, but she's like been very vocal about that. Cause she lost her husband this year. Right. Um, and she's been on like very vocal on IG and stuff like, you know, like, like, Oh, this time is very tough for me, you know, cause it, cause, cause she lost him in January. So that's what I thought about when you was talking about, because she's kind of like invited people into that process. Right. Um, and, you know, for for her, she's saying like it's a part of the healing, you know, kind of like sharing her experience with other people, you know, but it, it, it it's it's different. Right. Because holidays only really have meaning because of the people that, you know, you know, are involved in those activities. Right. So when certain people aren't there it changes the meaning of, of the holiday, right? For, for 
a lot of us, you know, we say Merry Christmas and for people that, you know, celebrate Christmas or happy holidays, right? But for some people, you know, the holidays are the opposite of that, right? If somebody, you know, died a, a, a like a traumatic death, you know, or if they had a relationship that's gone um, or something traumatic happened, right? So I think we just all have to be aware of that, you know, and kind of try to, you know, reach out and, um, you know, uh, figure uh, figuratively, like put our arms around people, you know, when we kind of know that they don't have, you know, that they, they might not have that support. So, and it's visualized. There's no time on it, right? There's no time limit. Like you just mentioned, she lost um, her partner in January. And yeah, that's recent, though. That's recent. Yeah. You may be some people who have made a loss their family member five years ago. Again, the holidays prompt and activate a lot of intense um, emotions and thoughts and memories of somebody. So, um, just Understanding it's individualized. It's a situation where even if it wasn't as intense as it was during other periods of the year, the holidays do that, right? They have right. that have that effect on people. So just making sure, like you said, um, you know, you're reaching out, right? You don't want to get into a point where you kind of fall and you start to isolate, um, and you find yourself in even more despair. So um, it's really important, like you said, you stay connected with individuals as much as possible. Um, and again, practicing your boundaries, right? And that that kind of takes me to the next one because um, even as you were talking, especially with boundaries, like boundaries goes kind of across the board, right? You have boundaries with finances that we talked about. Um, we're talking about with grief, and then also not overexerting yourself, right? Like we talk a lot of learning how to say no, right? That's the biggest thing uh, that we highly emphasize with a lot of our clients and our patients is a part of self-care is learning how to say no to people. And especially I feel like it's tough during the holidays because you're getting invitations. Oh, come here, go here. We want you to bring the family, blah, 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 blah. And you know what? Like only say yes to the places that you really want to go to, right? Because you overexert yourself trying to make it to so-and-so's house over here and that's on the city and other places across the bridge and the other places over here and you're trying to go all these different places and you're you're overexerting yourself. So mm -hmm. it's really important that the same way how you prioritize how much money you're going to spend, it's also important that you prioritize, all right, where are we going, right? Like whose house are we going to go to? Mm -hmm. Because you try to outdo it also that goes into your finances. Like it's not cheap to get around. Gas is, is expensive. Taking a train is expensive. My limit is two, bro. Those of us who come from, you know, blended families and all that, yo, my limit, my limit is two. And I get it. Everybody's not happy all the time. But listen, it gets to a point where it's not even fun no more. Right. You're just driving around. Yeah. So, you know, some sometimes you're going to have to borrow a tradition from another culture and start celebrating Christmas Eve, if that's your thing. Or, you know, uh, on another day. Right. Day before, day after. Yeah, don't don't feel obligated to travel. I feel like if you don't have to think about where's the place you want to be, who are the people you want to be around. And sometimes it's like, hey, if you're going with your partner um, to see her family or his or her family and you're not going to see yours, that's cool. Next year, either y'all switch it up for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever the case may be. But trying to do both and feeling obligated. Well, I need to go because so-and-so is going to feel a certain type of way if I'm not there. You know what? Hey, you, you got to think about yourself, right? They will get over. And also, here's a situation where we got phones. We can FaceTime people. Right. You see what I mean? You can check in with folks and be like, hey, you know, show me off to everybody, whatever the case is. You don't have to physically be there. Oh, we got to swing past there for about 10, 15 minutes just so I can talk to, to you know what I mean, Aunt Patty real quick because she's going to get up. <laughs> oh, it's like. <laughs> Aunt Patty. Yeah, it's just those boundaries. And then also, when you go to a place, like only talk to the people that you really want to have a conversation with. How many times have we been in situations where there are people like, yo, I really don't like this person or I don't really bang with them or whatever, but you feel obligated? Don't do it. You don't You don't have to. You can be respectful, but you ain't got to interact with them. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um. So I like the aspect of the boundaries we're talking about with finances, absolutely making sure um 
that you don't feel obligated. You're saying no to things that you don't really need to do, especially and then coping with, um, you know, grief and just taking care of yourself. I'm going to say also, I'm going to say taking care of yourself. A lot of times we want ourselves ragged, man. Uh, you know, whether it's trying to balance things out, whether we, if somebody is hosting the holidays or, um, you know, trying to balance things out with work. We talked about that before we came on as far as like different things that we got to do and wrap before, um, you know, we travel, we got to do it or whatever time we're going to be taking off and you stress yourself out. It's additional pressure. It's additional, uh, heartache. So I think making sure that you're taking care of yourself as much as possible through the holidays and whether that's exercise, whether that's making sure you're eating right, because I don't know about you, Jay, but for me, I remember a lot of times where I'm like running on fumes, like I'm trying to make it to the mall. This is like before, of course, like online um, really became popular like that. So I'm showing my age, but it's just like you're running from place to place to place, running all these other different errands trying to get things done. And you're not really eating, right? Like you're surviving off of like energy drinks and coffee or tea, right. right? Snacks here and there. You're eating while you're in the car. It's a lot of different things that I think a lot of us don't do intentionally, but it starts to take place and starts to build up in its totality. So I absolutely want to encourage people to make sure that you are taking care of yourself as far as like your sleep, your exercise, your nutrition, um, because it can get away from you as like, especially during the season. Yeah, of course. I mean, that, that that's something that you just need. We always need to emphasize, right? Prioritize mental health all the time, right? Yeah. So uh, any other things that you would point out, Jay, um, regards to taking care of yourself during the holiday? Uh, no, I think the one thing I would I would just say also is, you know, do what you what you enjoy. Right. Um, and I mean, it may seem like a simple thing, but, you know, um, I like watching football on Thanksgiving and Christmas, right? So whatever I'm doing, it has to be structured around me at least doing that activity at one point during that day. I, I got to schedule that. So I may be going to a bunch of people's houses, but I'm setting a boundary. I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to be here from 10 to 1, be there from 1 to 4, and I'm going to be back in my house by 5.30, right? Because, again, you can't stretch yourself then. And personally, I think along that line like friendsgiving is one of the, the best inventions ever right um getting together with people that you want to get together with right on christmas eve on if that's what you celebrate on thanksgiving eve or the week before thanksgiving and celebrating the holiday in another way right reinventing it right so that because with that comes along with with new meaning and memory to it right um, so, if, you know, if the holiday looks different, you know, then, you know, it might be, you know, easier for it might be it might be, you know, easier for, you know, everybody to kind of enjoy in that sense. So, you know, and it's, and it's a new experience. So, you know, I know a lot of people that they won't go to like family events or they don't really do traditional Christmas Thanksgiving, but they'll come to a Friendsgiving because it's just like a party to them, you know, um, you know, so it's just another way to enjoy the holiday. So. That would be my suggestion. Aspect of like kind of like creating a new tradition in the sense of right. that's what I'm trying to say. You, you're it more it's inclusive because it allows you and whoever else you're creating a new tradition with. You guys are coming up with your own thing, and everybody's involved. Everybody kind of has their own input. They're kind of remixing maybe something that was already done in the past, or you might be doing something completely new. Um, so you're you're creating your own form, right? Your own. Form. So I like that. I like that. And you know them basketball games be coming on on Christmas Day. Don't bother me. Oh, yeah. We got about five five of them on. Five of them. All throughout the afternoon and evening. Yeah. Um, so moving on to New Year's, right? So when the, when the, clock, when the clock strikes midnight, <laughs> so that starts the new year. And what's the one thing that comes along with New Year, right? Resolutions. Resolutions. That's right. Man, Everybody's going to get fit, right? Right, and put, the, and put down them. They're gonna all put down them cigarettes too, right? The hospital. That's it. Listen, man, it's either they've committed themselves to a New Year's resolution, and whether, like you said, it's losing weight, or it's to get out of debt, or it's to do a, a pursue a hobby, or socialize more, or whatever the case may be. All types of resolutions are gonna be made. 
I'm going to do next year. I'm going to do such and such next year, blah, 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 blah. However, the reality is that studies have shown that over 90% of New Year's resolutions will be abandoned within just a few months. Yep. Just kind of the way it is. So let me ask you, why aren't people more successful at keeping New Year's resolutions? What do you think? What do you attribute to like the failures? I would say two things, and it's not even all that scientific. Number one, I think they set their goals too high initially. Mm-hmm. Um, and two, I don't think they ha- they have um reasonable expectations. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, there's a lot that go that goes into it. That it's like if you like say you set a goal for saving money or losing weight, or you should set small, manageable goals. Right. So everybody wants to lose weight. Yes, you have an ideal amount of weight you want to lose figure, but you need to set a reasonable goal. Right. Most people are going to not be working out the next week. Right. So your goal should be to get to the gym for 14 days. Right. It shouldn't have anything to do with losing weight. It should have to do with the habit, putting a good habit into place. Right. But that's a small, manageable goal. And you, you should have rewards. So if I, Get, go to the gym this week. I'm gonna treat myself to this, to this massage, to this, this or that, and that way you can reinforce the behavior. But I think most people look from January. They look at themselves in Jamaica already. I'm gonna be in Jamaica with a six pack, and you know what I mean. And right now you got a six pack. You know what I mean of of drumsticks from KFC, right? So, so. And the pro- so the problem is, you know what I mean? And after you hit the gym that 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 day, and when you wake up and you soar the next day, the New Year's resolution goes out the window, right? Because you're not you're not all the way there, and you feel bad about it. One day I didn't go, two days I didn't go, three days I didn't go. So, you know, small manageable goals, but rewards. The thinking and the goals are way way too big, right? Like. There, there's this idea that when you do a resolution that they have to be like this huge, overwhelming change um, that's so sexy, right? I'm going to I'm going to drop 40 pounds. I'm going to I'm going to like you don't you don't need that. Right. You don't need to make this overwhelming change as a resolution. Absolutely. I agree with you. It needs to be one. They need to be realistic. There's no reason. You want to lose weight. OK, cool. All right, you can lose weight, but why are you setting this possibly unattainable goal of oh, I need to drop forty pounds by by the end of February? No, right? Now that's not the way it works. Like, give yourself again modifying goals, and also ask yourself why are you making these goals? Right? Like, what is your reason for it? Because I think that's also lost upon like when people have create like these large scale goals or resolutions. Like, why are you doing it? Right. What's the purpose? Are you doing it just because it's the hot thing? Because again, you know how much gyms make at the top of the year. Oh, that's the most like yeah. It's the Uh most annoying part of my year. Because yo, you come back on between January 9th and January 30th. You cannot, you can't get a machine, you can't get on the bench, you can't get no free weights. Right, it's, it's packed, bro. You got and you got a bunch of people in there in new workout uniforms. Clean, crispy, clean, crispy, clean. New AirPods. They got new everything. Yeah. New water bottles. New everything. everything by, by Valentine's Day, you would think that they all that is cuffing season because they all gone. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is. It's like, what are you? Why are you choosing this particular goal? Like, is it because of health reasons? Is it because you want to look good? Or is it because it's the fat, right? So I think that's something that a lot of people have to really ask themselves. What is the purpose, right, of me setting this goal, this resolution? Because if you're not doing it for yourself or you're doing it just because it's the cool thing to do or it's a trending thing to do, there's no staying power. Right. Absolutely no staying power. Um, the, the other thing that I would add to that, the reason why resolutions fail are people just aren't ready to change at that point, right? You have to be ready to change. Change is difficult. Change is uncomfortable. So if you're not ready 
to whatever the goal is, whether it's a diet, whether it's weight loss, whether it's money, whatever the case may be, if you're not ready to make that particular change, then it's most likely not going to have any type of long-term results, right? In order for someone to change a behavior, you got to be uncomfortable. And guess what? Nobody wants to be uncomfortable. I know I don't like being uncomfortable. So in order for you to see like a long-term or lasting change, you have to be in a state of discomfort for a long period of time. Like you got to stick to that diet. And people are already, right? We could do a whole another episode or a segment on the five stages of change, right? But a lot of people aren't there. They're not further along. They're like in that, you know what I mean? That contemplation, like, oh, I want to do this, but I'm done, but I'm going to set this high goal anyway. You're not ready to take on that challenge. And that's okay. Like that's okay if you're not ready to make that large overarching change. Either set a small goal or you don't need to do it at January 1st. You could also just wait until you say, you know what, I'm not in a place to do that right now. Maybe February or March or maybe when some other different things have kind of come together, you'll be in a place where you're ready to make that. But a lot of people just put themselves automatically January 1st. I'm in there. A lot of pressure. You know, unnecessary. And I mean, and listen, you don't like. I, I agree with what you're saying because you don't want to set yourself up for failure, right? So that that that's why I originally started with saying, you know, you want to set a smaller, more manageable goal, um, because again, you want it's it's okay, you know, for people that you know to be high achievers that set their goals high. You want them to shoot for the stars, you know, but. You know, we, we are human beings, right? Um, so we're emotional, right? Um, so we like rewards. We like accomplishments, right? We like to know that we're achieving some type of success on the way to a goal, right? Um, and, you know, you know as well as I do, the, you know, the, the body's going to break down before the mind will, right? So, um, you know, again, a lot of times it's about training yourself to engage in those behaviors over and over. And what you said was important, right? Because a lot of times, whether you're dealing with stress, whether you're dealing with anxiety, whether you're dealing with weight loss, uh, smoking, all of those things, a lot of times it comes down to kind of fighting through that period of uncertainty, that period of anxiety, that period of dysregulation and discomfort, right? Um, those two, three days or, or week, you know, when you're sore, when you're having those intrusive thoughts, right? When you're overwhelmed, when your body feels weird, you know? Um, but again, we all know in those in those circumstances, the other side of it, that's why it's so powerful, right? When you get to the other side of it, because, you know, that that period of anxiety and uncertainty and, and those behaviors and routines that you develop, you know, that's what, that's the routine. Right. That that's the muscle memory. That that's what lets your you know body know that it's okay to replace that activity with another one. Right. Um, so, you know, again, you want to set yourself up for success, right? And it's the same advice I would give somebody, you know, in my office, you know, if they had a, a goal that was gonna take them years, right? I would say find some way that you can set a goal and accomplish it this week and then and then set one where you can work towards it and accomplish it this month right because it's very easy to lose your motivation right absolutely right a lot of circumstances and barriers along the way and you know being prepared for that right Brian, trying as as best as possible to prepare yourself for these barriers for these obstacles if something kind of throws you off your regimen what's your contingency plan right so, and also having a support system, like whatever your goal is, maybe somebody that you trust, somebody that can kind of help you along with things. Because like you mentioned, there are going to be some uh those days where you're in the trenches. Word. You're going to need some support. You're going to need a pick me up. You're going to need somebody to hold you accountable. I know they have like uh, thinking um, like fitness. What do they call them? Like your, your accountable buddy or something rather or something, something like that. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know the, the jargon. I'm, I'm not sure. But um, oh, no. you you want to have support and when whatever your resolution, whatever your goal is. So are you talking about like accountability partner? Or there something you or? go. See, yeah, you know, see, you got accountable buddy. <laughs> 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 yo, you terrible, yo. I started thinking about 
What what is it when you have a substance abuse problem and and you have a a, 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 a sponsor? That's where my mind went. Yo, you, you threw me off when you said accountability, buddy. I'm like, damn, I can't. I'm thinking about sponsor. I'm trying to find that word. <laughs> I just be throwing things together, bro. There it is. That's how you know, see everybody. This is how you know Dr. JB in the gym because he knows the fitness jargon and the lingo. <laughs> he knows. See, oh man, yo. See, so he he's somebody's accountability partner because he be in there throwing them weights around. So, oh man, Jay's the guy where you're like, yo, yo, bro, spot me. And Jay's like, yo, I got you. I'm I'm over there. Yeah, see? Man, whatever. Listen, I put my work in in there. I'm not going to deny it. I put my work in, brother. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know you in there too. I know yeah. you in there too. Man, look, I walk, I walk past the window. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> On my way to get a smoothie or something. Yeah, you could. <laughs> um, so absolutely, guys. Remember this coming holiday, especially for New Year's, when you come up with these resolutions, make sure they're not too large scale. Make sure you're ready. Make sure you have support. Um, because it's it's a tough road. It's a tough road. Uh, we know everybody's capable of doing it. Just make sure you're in a position. And that you're like Jay mentioned, you're not setting yourself up for failure. Make sure to smart goals. It's very important. All right. Uh, speaking of goals, Jay, there was a very, very important development uh, in medicine recently, especially as it pertains to sickle cell. Um, so I'm gonna play this uh, segment that explains it a lot better than I could articulate it. So. Get this all situated and queued up. Now with Dr. Sutton here at the table, great to see you as always. Happy to be here. Let's dig into this major medical breakthrough. Yes. We were just talking about it, yes. and, and it really deals with sickle cell. Yes. Uh, so what what did we learn? Because the, the way they were able to do this is also pretty remarkable, too. Pretty remarkable. Over the weekend, two therapeutic interventions were approved that can serve as a functional cure for sickle cell disease, and they both use something called gene editing, one of them using a brand new technology called CRISPR gene editing. Essentially, the way to think about it is it's a long process, but these patients, essentially, their sickle cells that, or their stem cells that create sickle cells are taken from them. They are then given a round of chemotherapy. Those cells that create sickle cells are edited to create non-sickled cells, then are given back to the patient, which then hopefully produces normal or non-sickled cells that can serve as a functional cure, eliminating the complications. Wow, I know you had a question okay, about it. Okay, so yes. this is such a major breakthrough, but I think in order for us to understand the importance of it, we need to really understand why sickle cell is such an impactful thing for people to have. And absolutely. for people, people that aren't important. so familiar with it, can you explain the symptoms? It is, absolutely, it is the most commonly inherited blood disorder. It affects more than 20 million people worldwide, more than 100,000 Americans uh, within the United States, predominantly whom are black or have African ancestry, and many people think about sickle cell as the association to a pain crisis, which yes, as an ER doctor, that's probably the most likely form that I see, but the other complications as we were discussing include infection, stroke, heart attack, and the average lifespan of someone living with sickle cell disease in this country is around 52 years old oh, wow. that's because it. of those complications. Yeah. And so this therapeutic intervention wow. has an opportunity not just to improve quality of life, but extend life. It could Save be life. a game changer. So my cousin, wow. she grew up with sickle cell. She's 44 years old. She's had strokes, yeah. plural. Uh, she's been through quite the journey. So when I saw this breakthrough, I was like, great, this could be a home run for her and could be a game changer for her life and quality of life. But when I saw the price tag, can it's you talk about that? Incredibly expensive. That's one of the uh, di difficult parts. So whenever we have a new pharmaceutical or a new therapeutic intervention, the first question we're asking is, is this attainable? Mm -hmm. And the reality is, is this, this is so expensive. Uh, but when you look at the comparative cost of someone who uses hospitals and has common emergency visits throughout mm -hmm. their lifetime, that can add up to more than yes. millions of dollars. Yes. And so, yes, we don't know the official price of this. It likely will be extremely expensive. When I spoke to the lead investigator, they would hope that third-party investors would participate, which would make it more attainable. But right now, that's still a difficult part. Uh, and, and it's not just this pharmaceutical intervention. It's all new interventions that come out. Mm. And this process is, it's lengthy and it's difficult, right? But you're saying that people, it's worth it. It is. It is lengthy and difficult. It requires months of preparation, likely 
likely a hospital stay, even a round of chemotherapy to rid the malfunctioning cells. Mm. But for the patients who have done this treatment, granted these patients have had severe forms of sickle yeah. cell disease, they both have had a chance to interview them and they both responded by saying they would do it all over again. Right, a 13 year old and a 33 year old. 13 year old and a 33 year old. What perspective you got. It was an incredible perspective, mainly also because when I spoke to that 13 year old who was cured of this years ago, he would remark on things that he wanted to do now. He's given freedom to have fun at school, mm. go on play dates, Ugh. go on trips, and to jump into a pool of cold water without fearing a pain right. crisis. I thought that that was really remarkable. Oh, I just get All right, that's, uh, and that's big. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. big. Um, wow. Yeah, that, that is, that, that's an incredible breakthrough. Um, and uh, again, as he, he mentioned, um, again, 100,000 Americans, mostly who are African-Americans, um, experience this condition. And because it does um, disproportionately affect people of color, not completely, but disproportionately, I mean, disproportionately, um, it also has an impact, like he was saying, he mentioned, on that, that quality of life and productivity, which tends to contribute to people that fall into that lower SES. And so my question that I had, Nate, and he briefly kind of touched on it, and I'm not trying to change the focus and perspective about this amazing breakthrough uh, treatment intervention, but it's how if people, due to the condition, have fallen into that lower SES, um, the price tag that they're talking about is like two and a half million, right? Three million that they're it, they're projecting that this this treatment will cost initially. Um, it's like how how can people afford or pay for this treatment? Um, because that's the main question. Like, I'm, I'm very happy that uh, this is taking place and it's um, going to save a lot of lives. But it's just the financial aspect that, you know, for me, is what kind of jumps to the forefront. Um, there's a lot of, unfortunately, individuals that are still like, um, you know, like on the Medicaid and other different um, situations. And is this going to be something that is going to be attainable for our community, being that it affects primarily our community? And that's just kind of my initial concern or, or, or issue. I mean, obviously, this is very important. It's, you know, this is personal to me. Um, it's very personal. I got family members impacted by sickle cell anemia, um, sickle cell disease. One in 365 black people, African American, impacted one in 13 babies born with sickle cell trait. Mm -hmm. Listen, I'm happy about this, regardless of the price. And the reason why is because I look at this like in 1990, cell phones was this big. Well, not cell phones, car phones was like this big. And I, the car phones, I remember a long time ago, right? We're talking about nine, maybe 95, maybe my mother had a car phone in a Cadillac, in a Burgundy Cadillac. And yo, she would call me and, you know, she would be like, yo, Jason, it's a dollar a minute. Right. My point is, yeah. fast forward 30 years, you know, the phones are smaller and we got unlimited minutes. Right. So I. I understand your concern. It's a valid concern, you know, but I think the treatment is so effective. They're saying 95, they can't really say, you don't want to like to say cure in science, right? But 95% of the recipients are symptom-free, right? So now, now that you have a method that works, I think now become, you, you need, like they said, a third party, right? You need the community support. You need government support. You need investors to bring the price down. Right. Because obviously we don't know how long they've been researching this technique. Right. So these these people could be three hundred million dollars in debt. <laughs> you know what I mean? Trying to find this cure. Right. So as much as, you know, we know it's a good thing and we want it to be applied and to be affordable. Nobody likes to see how the sausage is made behind a curtain. Right. In the same way. You know, somebody has to pay for this, right? The development, the same way that hundreds and thousands of drugs every year that people put millions and billions of dollars in that never pass clinical trials, 
right? Um, so again, right? Every everybody wants to be able to go to the hospital and get services for free, but but nobody wants the billing department calling and putting liens on your house and your car when you don't pay for the ambulance, right? Or the hospital services. But in order for them to be provided, somebody got to pay, right? And somebody's job is going to be getting that money. So you have a valid point, but we just hope, you know, we just hope that, you know, um, the price comes down over time. You know what I'm saying? Because again, what he was saying is important. The, the, pain crises, the strokes, that's the medical portion. I can tell you firsthand, there's a whole bunch of psychological issues that go along with this as well. When you talk about anxiety, when you talk about depressive symptoms, when you talk about isolation from activities, friendships, not being able to participate with your friends, having to explain why you got bruises, right? Why, why, why you, why you, why you, you, you can't, your leg hurts to the touch or your arm hurts to the touch. Right. Or you can't play football like your friends because it's too cold or you can't swim. Right. Uh, try being a, a little boy and trying to develop certain relationships and you can't do those things. Right. So there's a whole nother psychological aspect that goes along with this. Um, so, again, I'm happy. Um, it's not going to change people over over to, over overnight. But again, doctors dealing research and he said something very important. He said. Over the lifespan of, of the patient, it's costing more for the hospitals, right, mm -hmm. um, than this treatment will cause. So that's not going to immediately move the needle, you know, but bringing down the cost of healthcare has always been a topic of concern, you know, on a community level and like on a wider kind of governmental type of level. So what I'm hoping is that they get this information out in a proactive manner. You know, and I know that unfortunately, as much as our communities tend to suffer from, especially like a debilitating blood disorder, such as this, there are other different ailments that are in our community. And, and there are interventions for some of those other different ailments. And we are reluctant, just kind of generally speaking, to seek these interventions, these treatments, just because of other historical um, events that have taken place that have contributed to us being um, compliant or adherent in regards to, you know, getting the, the proper care. What I want to happen with this is that they get this information out to as many different families and individuals that are um, experiencing this. Say, hey, this, is, this has been developed. We're going to make this hopefully more available and attainable for individuals because information is power, right? The more information you get with people, um, hopefully that's what also moves the needle. At the same time, we know sometimes that we have folks that are reluctant to do so in our community just due, due to a lack of information, due to a lack of understanding. And it's like, oh, I don't know about that. They're going to do such and such. And then the conspiracies and all the other different things start to ramp up. So I'm hoping that um, this information that you know, we were able to see just because, again, we are kind of more involved uh, due to our, you know, our uh, our employment and our our nature as far as being clinicians. We stay up. We're constantly looking in journals. We're constantly keeping our air to the ground for different interventions and different advances in medicine. But I want this to get out to the general public. Like I want this to get out to the different hospitals. So one, it gives hope, but it also gives information to individuals so they won't be reluctant when it does become available, because you know that takes place, right? When something's too new and people don't understand it, they're also quick to criticize or not want to partake in it. So I'm hoping that this they start this information becomes more widespread so individuals, when it does become attainable, will be more likely to um, participate in this invention, because this is big, man. This is so beautiful. And then yes. we see it in our in our in our generation, right? Like these, this sickle cell was something that we. I mean, I can't speak for you, but just the more and more I learned about it, like in school and through our coursework and things, it was something like, man, like when are we going to see advances in the in these type of conditions, right? And this is it. Like we're seeing something in our lifetime that could absolutely make such a huge impact in our community. So uh, this is this is great, man. Listen, all I can tell you is that it's impacted my life in more ways than one. 
right? And I don't want to just take up time on the stage because to be very honest, the person that impacts the most is the person that has it. So I, you know, I don't want to go on too long about worrying about somebody else. You know what I mean? But when you talk about kids, the amount of surgeries and blood transfusions and missing school and missing birthday parties and things that they miss out on, man, listen, um, the amount of psychological and mental health support, familial support, social support that these kids need is is ridiculous. And they strong as hell. So I just I'm gonna just leave it there and I'm just hopeful because it can increase the quality of life for a lot of them. So quality of life, the life expectancy, all of it, man. Like this this is a major, major breakthrough. Um that I'm happy the research trials and the clinical trials came up with and then manifested into a great solution and intervention because we know how long these things take place for years and years and years and things don't get passed or fda approval or patented or whatever the case may be right like we know the administrative aspect of um these interventions so this is great this is great and i and i hope uh and it it, it works out well and becomes widespread and uh that's going to save a lot of lives so um beautiful man it's beautiful uh you know, thing to end on. Uh, anything we should discuss before we get out of here, Jeff? Uh, listen, man, just want to thank everybody uh, for tuning in. Uh, we appreciate the support. Uh, make sure y'all check out Cammy's Closet. You know, I'll be back, you know, promoting my uh, website next year. Just doing some changes right now, updating some things, but make sure y'all support Cammy's Closet. In the meantime, you know, wishing everybody a happy holiday, but Again, we appreciate the support and thank you for listening. Absolutely. I appreciate that. Shout out, Jay. And that it's been a great year. Uh, we've absolutely had a lot of growth. Uh, we've made a lot of different improvements. We've we've shifted things. We've added additional uh component in, in addition to to the uh, to to the podcast and to the network as it continues to grow. So Jay, I appreciate you know what I mean, everything that you bring to the table. You know, we both have difficult schedules, you know, but we still make it work. We appreciate, you know, our loved ones for putting up with us, kind of stepping away while we uh, provide the information to the public. And we appreciate you, the viewers and the listeners, because um, we wouldn't be here if we didn't have your support. So we love the fact that you guys have continued to support us over the past year. Um, It's continuing to grow. And look, we're going to keep it pumping, man. We're going to continue to make improvements and uh, get the information out to the people with this edutainment. We're going to build on this thing, bro. You already know. 2024. Yes, sir. All right, Jay. Listen, happy holidays to you and the family. Go off and do your thing, brother. And uh, wishing you and everyone good mental health, man. All right, my brother. Have a good one, man. I'll, I'll holler at you soon. Yes, sir.